Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The word that's used for filled means to be filled up to the top. So much as if you were to, to, to fill a cup with water, so much that you couldn't put any more in. Right? That's, that's what it means. Now, there's a difference between being filled with the Holy Ghost and being indwelt with the, with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Uh, get, get two passages. Get 1 Corinthians 3 and also 2 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation, if you're not trusting in your religion, your works, and those kinds of things to save you, but you've trusted Christ, you are indwelt by the very Spirit of of God. You see it here in 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. You see, he's writing here to these believers at Corinth, and here he's, he's using this as a motivation for them to serve God, is he's saying, you're the temple of God. God dwells in you, and it's the Spirit of God that dwells in you. I mean, really, if you, if you go throughout the Scripture, you'll see you're not only indwelt by the Spirit, you're indwelt by Christ himself, you're indwelt by God the Father as well. But if you're a believer in Christ, you are indwelt with the Spirit. Um, what was the second passage I gave you? Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one, verse fourteen. Um, maybe we should uh, look at verse thirteen. It says, "Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus." This is Paul writing to Timothy. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. And it is true of all believers that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, in the believer. Now, that may not be something you feel. It may not be something, you know, often a lot of churches put this emphasis when it comes to the Spirit on feeling. But the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you may not feel like the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And the reason Paul had to remind the Corinthians that the Holy Spirit dwelt in them was because by their actions they were showing they weren't really thinking about that much. They weren't really thinking much about, about the Spirit dwelling in them. And Paul reminds them, he says, Don't you know, know ye not, that you're the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And this is, this is something, you know, in the Old Testament they were not indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the Spirit coming upon them. Uh, there are a few verses that talk about the Spirit being in them. And you see the, the uh, verse that 
talked about Bezalel being filled with the Spirit. But understand that in the Old Testament, the Spirit was something that came and went. David in the Psalms prays to God that he would not take his Holy Spirit from him. You remember how King Saul, uh, the Spirit... The Spirit was with King Saul for a while. He prophesied even even before he was king. As king, the Spirit was with him, but the Spirit of God departed from him. And they had no no promise that the Spirit would eternally abide with them or or would stay with them and dwell in them. Yet we see they could be filled with the Spirit, but they weren't indwelt by the Spirit. Now, Today in the dispensation of grace, every believer is indwelt with the Spirit. That doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit. If every believer was automatically filled with the Spirit, the Apostle Paul wouldn't have to say, be filled with the Spirit. He wouldn't have to tell you that if it was automatic, right? And there's a difference between the way you and I are filled with the Spirit and all of these examples that we looked at from the Old Testament and from Luke and from uh, uh, even the day of Pentecost. When, when God called Bezalel, the son of Uri, and he put in him the spirit of, of wisdom and filled him with his spirit to be able to do all those things, is there any indication there that Bezalel had any choice in the matter? Not really. God says, I, I chose him, I put my spirit in him. It doesn't say that Bezalel, you know... Uh, in any way had to, had to be filled with the Spirit. It just happened, right? When John the Baptist, certainly, as a babe in his mother's womb, he didn't have to make any kind of choice or take any kind of action to be filled with the Spirit. God just did it. And, and those examples of Elizabeth and, and uh, Zacharias, you see, they just, when it says they were filled with the Spirit, they just were... were Overcome And really, being filled with the Spirit is to be completely controlled by the Spirit of God. Where you're not controlled by yourself, your own, your own spirit, your own ambitions, but to be in complete subjection to the Spirit of God and, and be filled. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter and the Twelve, um, that, that Spirit that... that uh, filled them on that day, that Holy Spirit of God that filled them, that allowed them to speak in those languages, they didn't, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't seek to be filled with the Spirit. It just happened. And all of a sudden, they're speaking in these other languages, and, and it, just, it just happened. And you don't see any command. In the Old Testament, God doesn't command them to be filled with the Spirit. You don't see um, with Peter and the Twelve there where God tells them to be filled with the Spirit. And yet, here in our text, it tells us, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and in the same way that being filled with wine and being drunk with wine is something you have to, you have to you know, go out and seek and you've got to take some action in order to have that happen. Being filled with the Spirit in the dispensation of grace is not just some automatic thing that happens to you. It's not something where you're walking down the street one day and all of a sudden you're filled with the Spirit and, and you're going to speak words of prophecy like Elizabeth and Zacharias did. But rather, being filled with the Spirit um, is, we're going to look at the verses here, is a, there, there's a, is there's a very definite thing that has to take place for you to be filled with the Spirit in the dispensation of grace. Okay? But before we go on, I just want you, again, to reiterate, 
all believers are indwelt, all believers have that Holy Spirit dwelling in them, but all believers are not filled with the Spirit. And you can have that Holy Spirit within you, and yet not have it controlling you, not having the the Holy Spirit have any impact on your actions. Now, I want you to go, go back to our text in Ephesians 5, and I want you to see an interesting cross-reference here. You know, as we've gone through the book of Ephesians, I've mentioned on several occasions that the, the book of Ephesians has a sister epistle, and it's the letter to the Colossians, right? Ephesians and Colossians go together. And very often, something will be worded one way in the book of Ephesians, and it will be worded in a different way in the book of Colossians in order to give you clarity on that on that subject. And uh, the book of Ephesians is much longer than the book of Colossians. So often the book of Colossians is much more brief than Ephesians is. And it can be a very helpful thing when you're studying the book of Ephesians and there's some passage that you don't understand or that you want more understanding about, look for the parallel in the book of Colossians and you'll find some, some wisdom there. Okay, and we've, we've done that several times in our study of the book of Ephesians. And so our text is in Ephesians 5, verse 18, right? It says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I want you to hold, you know, hold a hand. We're going to turn back and forth between these, these passages, and they really should just be several pages apart in your Bible. But I want you to get also Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. As, as we look at Colossians chapter 3, we can see some things that match up with the verses that we've been studying in the book of Ephesians, right? Colossians chapter 3, for instance, you notice in verses 5 through 8, it talks about mortifying your members which are upon the earth. Um, it, it talks about the wrath of God coming on the children of disobedience. It talks about how you used to walk. And then in verse 8, it talks about putting off those things. Does that sound familiar to the verses we've been looking at in Ephesians, right? I mean, the, the, you know, the verses in ch- chapter 4 and chapter 5. Uh, verse 10 talks about, or verse 9 and 10 talk about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. That's Ephesians 4.24, the end of chapter 4, right? So, so here in Colossians 3, we're getting close to the parallel passage to where we're at in, in Ephesians 5. Um, uh, Verse 13 talks about forgiving one another, and we saw that in Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Right? So so you see how the passages move along right in the the same order. Um, Notice, by the way, if you go back to Ephesians 5, and come down to uh, verse, verse 22, of Ephesians 5, you see how he begins to talk to wives, and then verse 25 begins to talk to husbands. Um, Chapter 6, verse 1, talks to children. Uh, It it talks about servants and masters in chapter 6. Compare that over to Colossians chapter 3, and you notice verse 18 of Colossians 3 says wives, verse 19, husbands, verse 20, children, verse 21, fathers, verse 22, servants, um, uh, and masters, 
Okay? So you see the direct parallels, right? I'm just trying to establish that Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4 and 5 and 6 are parallel to one another. Now, Ephesians goes into much more detail. Ephesians spends half a chapter talking to wives and husbands. Colossians spends two verses. But you see, you see the parallels, right? You see how they directly fit together. Now, let me show you the specific parallel where Ephesians talks about being filled with the Spirit. The direct parallel is in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Where Ephesians says, be filled with the Spirit, Colossians says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And you can see it's a direct parallel. The very next verse in Ephesians 5 talks about speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Colossians 3.16 goes on to say, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You see the direct parallel? Okay. Now, again, that's something that can help you in your personal Bible study, comparing those two, those two books. But notice what the parallel is, where Ephesians says, be filled with the Spirit. Colossians says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And I would submit to you that there's no difference between the two. There's no difference between being filled with the Spirit and letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Right? So being filled with the Spirit involves you taking the Word of God and putting it within you so that it can dwell in you in all wisdom. If you don't have the Word of God dwelling in you, you cannot be filled with the Spirit. Now you can be indwelt, right? You can believe the Gospel and not know anything else about the Word of God and be indwelt with the Holy Spirit, but you're not going to be filled with the Spirit unless you're letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Okay? Understand that these other people we've talked about that were filled with the Spirit of God, they were filled with the Spirit of God at a time when the Word of God was not complete. Now, as we're reading here in Ephesians and Colossians, we're getting close to the point chronologically. If you look at where those books are written chronologically, you're getting to the point where the Word of God is almost finished. It's almost been all written by the time you get to Ephesians and Colossians. These are are the prison epistles, and they're written... They're written close to the end. I mean, there would be some books that are written after these, but they, they largely don't, you know, when you look at like the pastoral epistles, for instance, the pastoral epistles don't reveal a lot of new doctrine. What the pastoral epistles do is they exhort to be faithful to the doctrine that's in, in these epistles, in these church epistles, all right? And so to be filled with the Spirit, if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, it's not something to just just pray for God to do and wait for it to happen, you need to get into God's Word and let that Word be the thing that's going to have sway in your life. Let's look at some other verses that talk about what we are to be filled with. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to submit to you that all of these verses we're going to look at that talk about being filled with various things you could use interchangeably for being filled with the Spirit of God. Remember that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Every word of it is the Word of the Spirit of God, inspired by the Spirit of God. It says that that, uh, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by who? The, The Holy Ghost. And so when you come to the Word of God, you are dealing with the Holy Spirit of God and the words of the Holy Spirit of God. And the, the Holy Spirit of God today 
does not work apart from the Word of God. That's where the, that's where the Holy Spirit works. Let's go to some other verses. Go to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Verse 13. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I, uh, verse, verse 14 says, uh, and I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Now, I want you to notice, and, and again, I would say that all these things are related to being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with joy and peace in believing. Well, in believing what? In believing the Word of God. Right? In verse 14, when it says that they're full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another, why was it they were filled with knowledge? Because of God's Word. Why were they able to admonish one another? Because of God's Word. Right? Now, notice that God is the filler. You can't fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, and you can't fill yourself with the Word of God. Now, you can, you can participate in being filled, but you, you can't be the source of that filling. God is the source of that filling. You see, Paul here is, is really praying that God would fill them with joy and peace in believing. That they would be full of, of knowledge and full of goodness. Uh, go, to, um, go to Ephesians again, a passage we've already studied, but let's look at it again. Ephesians chapter 3, and here's another one that has a parallel in Colossians. Get Ephesians 3 verse 16 and Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. Ephesians 3, verse 16. Here is uh, one of Paul's prayers for the saints, a great example of prayer in the dispensation of grace. He, he prays for them in verse 16, that he, that God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, you see the connection there between being filled and knowledge, right? Now, it's not a natural knowledge. The, the spiritual things of God's word are not discerned by the natural man. They're spiritually discerned. It's the Holy Spirit dwelling in you that allows you to understand the things that you read. And you see the, the connection there between being filled with those things and with the knowledge of the Word of God and being able to comprehend. There's a, there's a parallel to that passage over in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering, with joyfulness. You see again, being filled with the knowledge of his will. And that is being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, now understand, being filled with the Spirit of God is more than just knowing the Bible. 
You see why Paul says in that prayer that they would be filled with that knowledge. He says in verse 10 that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. You see, it's more than just knowing the truth, but it's submitting yourself to that truth and letting the spirit that dwells within you be the thing that controls rather than your own will, rather than your own thoughts and and desires and letting the spirit control but that's not going to happen happen absent the word of god i've i've known many people who believed that they were being led by the holy spirit to do something even things that were outright sin and yet because they were operating based on their feelings they felt the spirit was leading them to do that you have no way when when you talk about feelings and I, don't, and I don't deny that God may, you know, in some cases, influence our feelings in order to help lead us. But realize, you and I don't know ourselves well enough to be able to distinguish between our own feelings and, you know, some, some prompting of the Spirit in that way. That's why you've got to test everything by the Word of God. I don't care how right it feels. If it goes contrary to God's Word, it's wrong. And it, again, it's God's word being filled, letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now, when, when you try and show people this from God's word, and, it, and it's clear when you look at these verses, right? It's clear the connection between being filled with the spirit of God and having the word of God dwell in you. You cannot separate the two. But... Oftentimes, with with many of the kinds of religious, superstitious things that people do, when you show them the truth of God's word, they feel like you're taking something away from them, right? That person who can can work up that, that fervor and that emotion that they believe is the spirit of God, when you tell them that really has very little to do with what the spirit of God is doing, and the way to be filled with the spirit is to come to God's word, they feel like you're taking something away from them. And, you know, all, their, their attitude is very much like the attitude of a, of a, a character in the Old Testament, uh, a man named Naaman. You familiar with the story of Naaman the Syrian? We're not going to look at the whole story, but I want you to just go back to 2 Kings chapter 5. And as I was preparing for this message, this, this example of Naaman just came up again and again to my, to my mind. And if you remember the story of Naaman the Syrian, Naaman was not an Israelite. He was from Syria. But he had heard that there was a God in Israel that could heal. And Naaman was afflicted with leprosy. And even though he had this, this in fact, he was, a, he was an officer in the army in Syria. He was a, he, he was a very high-ranking officer. But with all of his prestige and all of his authority that he had, There was nothing he could do about his leprosy, but he heard there was a God in Israel that could heal. And when he first came down to Israel, the king of Israel was upset because he was worried that he wouldn't get healed and that Syria was going to use this as an example to come and attack Israel. But Elisha the prophet rebuked the king and he said, send him to me. And so Naaman the Syrian comes to Elisha the prophet. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, Verse 9, it says, So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and the flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. 
Now this man, Naaman, was used to being a well-respected man. And when he showed up at somebody's house, they didn't send a servant out to meet him. They came and talked to him himself when he was coming to see them. But Elisha sends a servant out. And in verse 11 it says, Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He was expecting this miraculous display where Elisha would come out and, and you know, pray some powerful prayer and, and do some, you know, strike the place, do some ritual, and the leprosy would be gone. That's what he was looking for. And instead, the servant just says, go down to the Jordan River, wash seven times, you'll, you'll be good. He says, are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. So if I want to wash in a river, I, we've got cleaner rivers in Syria. I don't need to go down to that dirty Jordan River and wash there. Uh, we've, got, we've got rivers in Syria I can wash in. But his servant comes to him in verse 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. And, you know, that's the same, same kind of thing with, you know, these things from God's Word. There are people that if you told them that they could be filled with the Holy Spirit if they would write out a check for $1,000 or $10,000, and they would do it instantly. There are people that if you told them they needed to do some great, great work, climb to some mountaintop or, or you know, do some, some hard thing, then they would be filled with the Spirit of God and they would do it. But when you say, no, to be filled with the Spirit of God, you just need to come to His Word. You need to be diligent about studying it. You need to put God's Word into you and let that be the thing that controls you. And they go, in, they go away in a rage like Naaman did at first. And that's not what they want. They want some miraculous display. right? And you see the wisdom there of Naaman's servant. And he says to him, if he would have told you to do some great thing, you would have, you would have done it. But he tells you to do something easy, something that, that you know, that doesn't really cost you anything, it does, and, and you refuse to do it, and you get angry because he didn't give you some hard thing to do. And Naaman goes down to the river, and he washes seven times, and he was, clean, he was cleansed. And, you know, Naaman is one of the examples in the Old Testament of a Gentile who came to believe in the Lord God of Israel. He, in fact, as he, as he left there, he took a box full of dirt from Israel so that he could have that with him and, and feel like he was close to that land of Israel because that's where the God of Israel was, you see. And oftentimes we're looking for miraculous demonstrations. We're looking for some outward display. And really what God's interested in is something that, that isn't that hard at all. I mean, how hard is it to spend some time each day in God's Word? How hard is it to take take those things and make up your mind to that you're going to allow the Holy Spirit through God's word to be the thing that leads you in your life, right? And, and we would do well to heed the advice there of Naaman's servant and, and to recognize these things from God's word about what it really means to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this lesson from your word. 
We pray that we wouldn't be led astray by so many of the, the false teachings that are out there, that we wouldn't be uh, impressed by these various gimmicks and, and tricks and different things that people try to use, but that we would give your word the place that it deserves in our lives, that we would not only just read it and study it, but that we would submit ourselves to it, that we would allow your spirit dwelling in us to not just dwell there, but to fill us, to, to fill us so that our, our thoughts, our actions are controlled by your spirit. And we thank you that in these things, the strength doesn't come from us. The, the strength is not our strength to, to try and do our best to obey your word, but rather it comes from a complete reliance on you to perform the work in us. And uh, we just, just thank you for these things. And um, thank you above all for the gift of eternal life that was bought and paid for by your son through the shedding of his blood. We thank you for his resurrection that gives us assurance of eternal life. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.